we are in Pasadena, California, at the Art Center College in the MDP Media Design Practice Program. So we are like summer researchers. So we're doing a, our residency here. So yeah, we've been here for six weeks doing a residency in Pasadena where we are coming from overseas working with five of the graduate students, so students in the MFA program, Media Design Practices, who are assisting us in making this experiment. So yeah, we, we wrote an application about prophecy, predicting the future, the absurdity of elements of American military spending and research. And testing, testing, making stuff. Um, I mean, I guess the best thing to start with would be just like a synopsis of what it is that you guys are interested in. Like kind of like broadly speaking. In general, that's pretty hard. Loads of things. Loads. I think, yeah, it's hard to put a finger on the exact thing that you're interested in. Learning technology, things. experimentation, um, yeah, trying stuff out, and how people relate to all of this stuff. So what is, what is this project? This project is to do with premonition, prophecy. Precognition. Precognition. So this, this project is a prophecy program, and it's based, oh, it started off when we saw this paper that was published in, what's the journal? The Journal of Psychology and stuff. Psychology and, yeah, basically psychology it's like, uh, uh, yeah. And it was a, a study performed in a, by proper scientists who were looking at proving or evidence proving humans have precognition or precognitive abilities. And um, how how would that manifest? So they did this experiment whereby they had a, a, a selection pool of people that they they sit and they kind of take them in cold and they sit in front of a computer screen and show random images at them, interspersed with violent or erotic images, and then they would using a bunch of sensors. Yeah, they were just like tracking, monitoring the physiological data. Yeah, physiological response to these. Because, yeah, the, 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 the paper is about, uh, uh, it's called feeling the future. And it's actually your body capable of feeling, sensing something without you consciously being aware of it. And they were looking at these things as a kind of like survival mechanism that we have in terms of precognitive. So in, in the text, people's bodies were alluding to these, seeing these images before they actually saw them. So, so. they get habituated, like they're shown one that like violates, say there's like it's trees or whatever, they show get one that's violent and then they start anticipating or they... Yeah, exactly, okay. kind of, but their yeah, bodies... The, the images were, were, so basically the, the images were displayed randomly, so no one, even the people who actually yeah, doing the test would algorithm. know it. And in the meantime they were looking at signs where your body would react before actually the image is displayed yeah. and see if it happens. So then this paper got published to kind of a mixture of skepticism from some corners and then from like popular kind of magazines saying you can predict the future, the power yeah. is yours. So 
got a lot of press and then because it's also uh, because there's loads of papers and loads of experiments actually that have been done like that but that was one of the uh, one that's been published in research journal that is yeah, peer reviewed peer reviewed journal so you've got people who actually read the experiment and couldn't find any flaws in the experiment because from a scientific point of view it was a good experiment yeah and then the previous, since this test has happened, there's been other groups of researchers performing the same experiment, all of which the results have not come up. Interesting. So then, then you have this kind of question emerge, which is, is what our project wants to tap into. It's question emerging about belief. And if someone's telling you that this science is true, then you believe it, and how that kind of, how far you take it. And it's also because uh, uh, scientific experiments are designed from the way you talk to the test subjects, the way the person who talks to the test subjects is dressed up, okay. and those kind of things. So there's a real idea of designing the experiment from a scientific yeah. point of view. So they design it to get a certain type of positive or negative data. So there's already, an, even though it's a scientific experiment, there's an intention behind. So they make it the right way. Yeah. Right, I mean, even if it's not intended, if it's, if it's not designed by consideration, it's designed by default. Yeah. Exactly. So what then, what have you guys designed? <laughs> so we recreating, I mean, we do, we're doing like an interpretation of the experiment that Andrew just described, which is basically uh, monitor people, physiological data of people, what's their subject, and see if they have a reaction before we fire at them randomly. But so yeah, we're, we're taking it up a level, making it much more experiential. And doing so we want to explore not only the absurdity of this experiment and, and the actual process of it, we want to explore as well the aesthetic language of the test and experiment and experience. Yeah. So we've designed a, a set of apparatus essentially and tools to allow a participant, a test subject, to, to be monitored, to undergo an experience and ultimately it yeah. a kind of aggressive ending. <laughs> so walk me through walk me through what happens. I'm I'm a test subject and I arrive. Well you arrive. Uh, you get first you sign the waiver. Yeah. First is first, <laughs> first this off. is America. <laughs> first off there's that. So you need to make forms for that. Yeah. And then you get like uh, rigged up with Who who uh, administers the forms? Probably Jean, one of our team. Okay. She'd be quite good at that. In a in a uniform yeah. of some kind? Some kind of uniform. Okay. So that our experiment is divided in two parts. So it is two, I mean, two-sided. So you get like uh, uh, geared up with all the sensors on your body once you're on one side of the experimental room, whatever. And so on that side, you actually see the mechanisms of. I mean, maybe it's better to describe what the actual thing is before. So yeah, our test apparatus is essentially it's an array of air cannons that have on one side have a very shiny screen and then there's a kind of behind the scenes where you see the working of the experiment. So you see the, the actual nuts and bolts of it all, what actually works. And that side is kind of compressors, valves, tubes, welded stands and switching mechanisms which are kind of these absurd balloon switch devices but then all of all of this side is also kind of exploring the aesthetic language of it as well so the design of each element is considered to help add to this experience or create the experience so when you're getting your sensors on your body 
you on that side of the actual apparatus. So you would the see the slick side. No, no, no oh, the okay. the actual behind the scene. And so you'd see all the balloons moving, inflating, deflating, popping, twitching, and those kind of things. Hissing. So you kind of like it's just to create like some sort of like mindset for the person, mm, like an anticipation. Yeah. yeah. Then eventually the person, once the person is ready, goes on the sleek side. And the slick side uh, is like pretty glossy white, so eventually the person can see its reflection uh, in the screens. And then that person is just a question of waiting and hearing the sounds of the machine. So you don't know which one's going to fire, but you've already kind of experienced. There's clues as to what's going to happen, and then there's there's a kind of when it's going to happen. It's totally randomized, governed by not only the the computer program that's track that's written, but also the mechanics of our mechanical systems of our switches and, and how that works. So it's that moment of anticipation. It's the building and the heightening and the drawing out of this moment of mm. expectation, yeah. excitement and fear kind of, right? And so you're just like kind of stretching that for as long as you can. Yeah, well, as long as it it's governed by the system, really. So when it happens, it could be a short time, it could be a long time, but nobody knows that apart from potentially the person who could precon preconceive it or yeah within the stand and that's what we're hooking up all of the real kind of physiological data from that person it's getting read out on these polygraph readers that we've built so then we're looking at the EEGs and the yeah we got EEG the pulse for the heartbeat the breathing pattern thing and the galvanic skin response so yeah, we read them out onto uh, these chart rec handmade <laughs> chart recorders because what's interesting is the fact that these dead data are going to be output, but the way you interpret them would be yeah. This is another way we can play with the design of the things. So the way in which data and information is interpreted by an audience to the device yeah. or the the public who, who experience it is another aspect. So we have these chart readers that we've built that. The chart reader is a fairly daft way of showing stuff because you can easily manipulate that information. For instance, just by changing the length of the lever arms, you're going to get a more dramatic readout than a yeah. shorter lever arm just because of the moment and the, the lever is more, which is kind of basic physics rather than any actual information output. So you can completely manipulate and control the way in which that's interpreted, which is going to... Yeah, so these things are sense. kind of perceived in that waiting room moment, right? Mm -hmm. So. I mean, once you're inside the experiment, it is all gloss, right? Yeah. It's all yeah. this kind of like suspended moment. And but prior to that is when you see all of this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then the chart readers and stuff would be seen by a kind of third party, anyone else who was experiencing the thing as well. So it's not, it, it can exist as an experimental machine, but it can also exist as a kind of installation. Yeah, it's kind of playing on both sides of this because we want to create like an aesthetic that is like taken really seriously as an experiment and at the same time show that the aesthetic and the, the aesthetic language of the experiment creates like some sort of beliefs or anticipation or this kind of thing. And then on the other hand, having at the same time as it's an experiment still being like a kind of uh, piece that an audience that is not test subjects can see and understand as well and take it as a serious experiment as well in some ways. So how then, you know, how do you manage, 
how that information gets released. I mean, there's obviously a waiver that gets signed. There's some level of like implicit threat within that. So, you know, as as a person who's arriving, like I know there's gonna be some kind of threat of some kind, right? Um, And so that moment is, is what I'm waiting for. But then how much of this are you hoping will be kind of said versus unsaid? I think a lot of it will hopefully be implied through the design of the situation, so we won't have to spell everything out. And, and a degree of it, at this stage, there's a degree of flexibility as to how we let people experience it. So some people we may just take in cold straight into the kind of screen thing just to see what information we get, because the whole thing is a working machine, so we have the chance to see what works best within our kind of experimentation yeah. as well so it's not just a, a thing that looks kind of I hopefully convincing it should also be a working actual thing so we have the chance to experiment with people's experience in this way as well giving them a preconceived notion of what's going to happen or bringing them in cold or, or whatever we can, yeah we can play with that it becomes an experiment in yeah, and of itself. Yeah, itself as well as as well as a device exploring this experimental process, the actual science and telling of it, and belief systems, the belief in aesthetics, of convincing things, you get convinced by stuff that looks convincing before you even question it or analyze it. Yeah, it's like a language of authenticity yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. So then what is the hope, I mean like, you know, obviously on one hand it's like a conversation um, starter, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the thing in, in itself. Um, but within the actual experience, like, what do you hope to achieve in that? Well, I think if we were to create, I mean, I don't know, if we were to get like real data and actually realizing to a certain level that actually people are capable of anticipating when the cannons are firing to like 53% or something like that, <laughs> that would be awesome because that would be, I mean, that would be quite interesting. Yeah, but then uh, the focus wasn't really onto how you interpret, like what is the the analysis of the data that come out. Otherwise, we would have done it digitally or something. But it's also the reaction, like uh, I mean, yeah, as you said, it's the conversation that you can have about beliefs and science. But it's also like uh, just like taking like a kind of a critical distance regarding these things and. At least, like, this, this is quite funny because this is like uh, talking about, I mean, this is why it, comes, it becomes funny because it's taking something really far-fetched and making really science-looking and beyond just the paper and this kind of thing. And There's a side of the research we haven't mentioned as well, actually, which links quite strongly with this, which is the background research we've done into parapsychology and yeah. belief structures. Oh, yeah. Southern California in particular being this kind of hotbed for that and the Church of Scientology funded around here which is a kind of prime example of that and then you have massive military expenditure on parapsychic warfare which is again totally absurd but the the kind of threat that the Russians might be doing this during the Cold War led, led the Americans to hire a bunch of Scientologists to develop a psychic weapons program and Sure so it's, of a it's psychic warfare is kind of absurd as well. Yeah. So it's all like sense, sa- real sense, sense things, almost. but yeah, but 
bathed in like totally paranormal stuff. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But the idea behind this and, and the kind of worry that okay, we've got a goal that's so far fetched, but on the way to the kind of impossible, there's you might find something totally possible. That kind of concept under, undermines it, or like, underpins all of that so research and it's kind of something that's it, it seems like. The, it's a very like postmodern approach to research, really, in a way, in like how it, be, it becomes this kind of self-aware, like hyper self-aware thing, right? Um, where the like reflection upon the experiment itself is very conscious, very considered, overtly so, right? Mm. Um, and so I, I wonder, like, you know, because you also talk about it as being this. So in that sense, it's like you know, it's kind of irony, and it kind of is steeped in irony and comedy and stuff. Um, but then you also talk about it as being like a real experiment. And so I wonder like, what is the like hypothesis for the outcome of this? The hypothesis is like by designing the way, by designing from a designer approach, the experiment, we can actually create manipulate. data, manipulate the data, that, that the hard data that is coming out. So basically by designing the experiment in a certain way, we might have people being able to uh, to be able to generate specific results. Exactly. So if we want people to anticipate when they're going to get shot, by designing the, the, the contraptions, the artifacts, the apparatus, and etc., we might be able to create it. Right, right, so, right, right, right. You're trying to replicate the experiment exactly. but by exaggerating the kind of yeah. the language of everything. And it, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And ex exploring as well. Yeah, as you say, it's the experiment, but there's also the conversation in the fact that this is a piece that exists in the gallery, not a lab. So it, it needs to generate conversation about the whole process as well as as working in this way. Yeah. So it has guys... to work in a lot of different ways at once, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking uh... maybe it's not going to work in any of them particularly well. <laughs> 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 we can hope. <laughs> So the, um, I mean, because you know, it's going to have its life. It has its kind of like intellectual life, which is the work you guys are doing and the work that you're doing with the students. And its existence within a gallery becomes like another life, right? And yeah. the the user experience, which becomes this like fleeting moment of kind of excitement. You can imagine the like elevated adrenaline levels and stuff when the people are finished with this experiment. So you have that, um, but like only a few people get to experience that, right? And then you have how you guys get to control dissemination exactly. So how how are you thinking about that now, right? Like how does this get uh, projected to the wider like the internet? Well, it's kind of one step at a time, really. I mean, right now, I'm pretty much into trying to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> you should ask us this next week. <laughs> um, I mean, we go, there's all the standard things, photographs, films, and then the way in which we execute those will be, again, there'll be a level of contrivance because that's that's the yeah. way it works mm -hmm. as to how we want to tell it and how we want it to be. It's probably as well like the outcome that we get from the people experience, experiencing actually the, the experiment it can may kind of like inform the way we want to disseminate it as well because at any level whether you, because we, we got a layer where we kind of like work on the aesthetic of the thing then when you take the picture when you film it and it is the thing there's another, another kind of layer field of set that you and, and storytelling. Yeah, exactly. You can make it look like major art or like a proper lab experiment, whatever. So there's like uh, yeah, loads of things to consider. Uh, 
once that thing is. But that, I mean, could be, to me, that becomes a really key design like decision uh, yeah. because the the way you photograph those moments, the way you do the video of those moments is... Or write it up as a paper. Right. Yeah. Is this, do you try and, do you submit this to nature and science? <laughs> you know, I mean, that might be amazing. That might be amazing. <laughs> You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, we could I present think... it as a series of graphs and pie charts, which could be quite a fun way <laughs> yeah. to do that. Absolutely, yeah. Promotional pamphlets. I mean, like you know, you. I mean, it's like well, it's... right. You could take this. You could take it kind of so far. So, to you guys, is that is that some of the fun of it, or is it more like you? Know, you're obviously fascinated in the actual making of things, of physical artifacts, um, which is an essential part of the experience. But then what it becomes, is that of importance to you guys? Or yeah, it, it is in the sense that, for instance, the first time we presented the project, uh, because we had like a meet report thing. Yeah, we presented it, it must have been two weeks ago now. Yeah, and that was the, uh, that girl, like Christina, yeah, she's a she's a synthetic uh, synthetic biologist or biologist, and that was quite interesting. We had like a really quick conversation about it, and she was really excited because she was talking about all that kind of like, yeah, scientists are actually designing these experiments. So there's no like, it's not uh, totally objective. There's always like a yeah, a science. and this is kind of interesting actually in terms of output being able to maybe discuss these things with or present these things in a way, in a language that scientists can understand or would take actually convincing enough that scientists would take actually time to read the thing and understand what we try to do here. Uh, so yeah, so this probably would, would influence as well the way we design the outcome. Because it's really interesting when you read how like uh, popular media vulgarize like science articles and this kind of thing, and it's kind of like kind of what we're doing as well, but like on a physical level and trying to tell a story. And whatever story it is, it's just that creating that narrative that it becomes interesting. Because if you talk of a narrative about like that being pop science, yeah, kind of thing. Because they're always like really true and not really that interesting. Wired. And and trying to create new kind of aesthetic actually of what that kind of like new technology can be looking like. So what and world then do you think like this is, what world is this a part of? Within like, in the, within the landscape of um, like, our, you know, our society where we have, um, you know, scientific research that's going on, um, people picking up these nuggets of potential truths and running with them in popular media, um, you know, traditional like art, which exists in a gallery setting and is to be consumed in like controlled environments and, you know, quite removed from, um, I guess, like reality. I think that you're drawing some kind of interesting, like, in this, yeah, in these sealed environments. It's not so dissimilar from the scientific context that you're talking about, as, as well as this, like, the lab context and art gallery context, they're both specific environments so that kind of have specific protocols to them which kind of both generate how you experience quite a few similarities between the two so I think our project kind of straddles mm. that really would be quite interesting to, to look at it in that way yeah. Um, and yeah it's, it would be nice to attack things on quite a few levels as well I like to get some kind of 
what would be a really cool thing would be to get some kind of popular press or something saying, like, sure, this is true, this thing works, these yeah. guys have made a real thing that does this, uh, as well as an element. So. Mm-hmm. To insert yourself. I mean, so, I mean it, seems, it seems very much like... It's like a punk attitude, really, I guess, in a way, right? It's like trying to... I'm not trying to conform specifically to any right. set mm. way of doing things. Which While challenging the existing structures. Yeah. In, because, in a, yeah, because at the end, we're not, I mean, I don't know, we, we, I don't think like the project is very interested in the uh, science itself and not interested in um, just creating just a piece of art or something that lives in the gallery. I think the project is more interested in the relationship that people have with technology and science and the relationship that they have with like those kind of design art galleries and stuff. So it's kind of like a, the thing is definitely people-centered. It's not like a, there's no comments on technology directly kind of it's more how we kind of envision all these things all together and interact with these things and actually this interaction is also a question of aesthetic how this thing looks like and feels like and those kind of things I think though it is like I mean I think this relationship to technology is very like important and purposeful in in the sense of how analog so much of the mechanisms are you know, it, it's it's this like very conscious decision that it, you know, where an iPad is this magic device in which Lord knows what happens, right? Whereas these are things that you're talking earlier about, like you, know, you walk in and there's like pipes and there's like it's like Brazil, right? That yeah. there's just like stuff everywhere and like, you know, you can kind of follow each of these cables and they all actually do something. And so I think that, to me, also is like a really that's a really powerful statement on mm. technology, our relationship to technology. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's the the thing is like when you create stuff. I mean, I don't know. It's just it's just like uh, you could put something within a black box, like within your. Well, we could have done everything like on digitally, computer, digitally. digitally, and that's the thing where you actually put process something to a black box that you, no one actually saw the program or knows exactly how the algorithm is written, etc. So I don't think there's less. Be, you become more skeptical when you read this kind of thing and then you have to be like to, to contrive yourself really to make it in a real scientific way to be able to have any kind of like convincing output like look well, I'm doing something that actually works or something and um, this is like kind of like the opposite like trying having a really not that accurate data coming out but having a really convincing way of yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is accurate, right? But it's just—it's accurate, kind of on its own terms. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. On terms that are through its design. Even the data that we get is like interesting because it's all relative data in the sense that we just capable. We don't have values like between zero and hundred or whatever. This is so between zero and a million or something. It's like yeah, the value that we have is actually you—you you can't map them on like a real units. You—you—you you, you, the value that we have, for instance, for, from the EEG is just like you'll be able to see this is a stronger. These uh, delta waves are stronger than these uh, theta waves right now, and this is like well, how we compare the data. But we don't. We're not saying like, oh, delta Numbers. is between is like seventy-five, and this one is like hundred times twenty-five, whatever. So it's like the relationship between data is interesting, but not actually how how they display. I mean, the thing that they actually mean is a yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I mean, it becomes something which is intuitively understood. 
right? Where like I can look at this and recognize that its scale and relationship is different. So this is like, whereas like, yeah, what, I mean, when you get to certain levels of measurement, like we have no way of actually comprehending or contextualizing them. So yeah, exactly. it's kind of irrelevant unless, unless you are really specialized, right? Yeah. I think there's another thing, if you think about the aesthetics as well, you could start to talk about it and say that Brazil is an example of this kind of techno-centric future. And these futures that are presented to you in popular culture and media have a different language to the actual future that Apple presents us with. So there, there's an element of mess involved in a lot of people's interpretations of the future, be that through cinema or literature as well, which is coming across in our future kind of interpretation of the scientific development as well. So we could be, could be kind of looking at tapping into that idea as well. Mm -hmm. Like the Blade Runner future as opposed to the Minority Report Even the Minority Report future has mess and stuff going on behind, behind it all. Uh, so yeah, Tom Cruise haircut's mess. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Scientology, here we go. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> so where then, I mean, you know, where do you hope, where do you hope it goes from here? I mean, you hope the thing works. Full letters. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, domination, yeah. Um, I don't know, I think uh, if it goes anywhere, it's already good. Uh, where? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. It would be it would be nice to have it disseminated online through various kind of standard media art yeah. design kind of portals, as well as taking it and showing it in a more kind of public, more performance-based context yeah. as well, where we can have people experience experiment it and we're testing it for ourselves in these situations as well as to how the machine works best or how we tell the story best with it and until we start doing that it's, it's going to be quite hard and if it goes very well we out. can still like produce actually uh, a version of it for the home and start a line of three D print your own. <laughs> yeah. So print your own gun, print your own air cannon. From here, yeah. I mean, because you know your your design output up to this point has approached different problems with the same process of thinking. I would say efficiency. <laughs> it's all about efficiency. Efficiency and aesthetic. And middle, middle, middleism. Look good. Steve Jobs. Two words. I have four legs on your chair when you can have three. <laughs> so, you know, how, how much do, does each thing inform the next design decision or the next step? I mean, this is definitely, you know, from what I've seen so far, like the most refined and ambitious project you guys have done. Yeah, and certainly in terms of ambition, time scale, and yeah. not knowing where anything is in this city to get it sorted, it's certainly that. But I mean, you know, where, in terms of your design practice, mm. where it goes next? In terms of how this informs the decisions that you make in the future, like, you know, what link carries on? What is like the narrative thread? I think it's still this, this really kind of experiential thing that comes yeah. through, which comes through in uh, our earlier works, both our own works and the work we do together. It's always focused on 
violent human experience and, <laughs> and often violence. violence but um, there's a it's kind of very human centric as that's yeah. exactly the same it's like it's quite funny because there's always like, what I find really interesting is the fact that we're both really interested in like um, that kind of dialogue between art and science, especially because it's quite trendy and, and this is what we studied kind of. Uh, but it, also, I think there's loads of people only like focusing on the technology and the science itself and questioning things that are maybe relevant in a really more small. I mean, small yeah, it's audience. The human more. relationship to it all. Exactly. That's the interesting part for us, really. And this, this project explores yeah. that, and I think that's the yeah what ties it into the wider situation of projects. Where would you say that interest comes from? That interest in the human experience? Partly frustration with everyday experience. What's <laughs> trying to get out of the ordinary into a kind of extraordinary? But that's that's. Yeah. Isn't there something about like trying? We were talking about that a lot at RCA. Like we were just talking about trying to recreate some sort of like space age or those kind of things. That kind of initialization. We were talking about that at Wyden Kennedy as well. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of places where we've done projects together. This is the... Because you've got like, uh, it's quite crazy like during the Cold War, so you've got like all that space thing, space race, but there you've got like as well the uh, paranormal warfare. I mean, there was like tons of like crazy things and, and, and basically it's, uh, I think it's like tapping into that kind of thing like trying to create new crazy ideologies that might be... It might just be more extraordinary, exactly. away from where you are currently are offering another, almost an escape from reality. Yeah. Perhaps it's escapism. Perhaps that's what, what ties, uh, undermines the experiential threat. It's just a kind of a, a break from your, your everyday normalness. Speculative design isn't a new phenomenon. Since the earliest inventors, humans have attempted to think critically about the human experience and need and design solutions that facilitate human evolution. With science fiction, writers and designers began to focus more on the idea of provocation. Rather than simply addressing a known problem and designing a solution, people began to fascinate over the implications of technologies and create alternate realities where the extraordinary became manifest. Of course, the introduction of an alternate reality makes that reality itself manifest to a certain extent. By prophecy or by suggestion, Adderall has become Soma. The NSA is carrying out the work of Big Brother. Augmented reality is a reality. Science fiction and the lived experience are more intertwined than ever. It is in this context that the work of Satraka and Andrew inserts itself. For me, what separates their work from so many others is its physicality. They have an interest in and a remarkable talent for constructing beautiful things. These objects invite us into the experience and convince us of its legitimacy. And while the inspiration for the designed experience might be on the fringe of scientific understanding, their devices offer us a chance to suspend disbelief, to seek, to challenge, to discover, to learn. These core values are an integral part of both the experience and the design process itself. Like both the artists and the scientists, 
This is design work that learns as it evolves, moving forward, asking questions, and seeking answers. I want to thank my homeboys Andy and Satraka for sitting down to talk with me. It's always a party. You can find lots more of their work at their websites, andrewfriend.co.uk and satraka.co.uk. I'm Michael James Lewis. Thanks for listening.